today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com. And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans tonight, Romans chapter 11. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Now, the root that is mentioned here is God's salvation plan which was brought about through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 that Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And immediately right after the fall, God pointed to a Redeemer who would come and redeem mankind. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. He said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. And God was speaking to the serpent here. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Jesus Christ, when he died on Calvary's cross, Satan bruised the heel of Christ in his death on the cross. But Jesus' death on the cross crushed the head of Satan. The Bible says made a show of him openly. You need to understand tonight that Satan is defeated. And Jesus won the victory. A preacher said the other day that that when Jesus died on Calvary, it was the worst defeat in human history. He's wrong in that. It was the greatest victory that mankind has ever known. Because when Jesus died on Calvary, he died to pay man's sin debt. And God pointed to this immediately right after the fall. Adam and Eve noticed that they were naked. And God killed an animal of some kind. More than likely it was a lamb. Killed that animal and made coats of skins to cover Adam and Eve. And that is what instituted, what started the Old Testament sacrificial system. You can read it there in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. And later, in the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis, we see Abel bringing a blood sacrifice and offering it up. And God had respect unto Abel's offering. And God accepted it. After the flood of Noah, we see Noah offering up a sacrifice and God accepting that as well. All of these sacrifices pointed to the Redeemer who was to come. 
Those sacrifices served as a stopgap measure. It was salvation on credit, if you will. And it was salvation on credit until the sin debt could be paid. And as we read through the book of Genesis, we see time and again where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... They're building altars and they're offering up sacrifices. Understand this tonight. God's salvation plan has always been through and by the sacrifice. Whether it was a lamb offered up on an altar which looked forward to Christ coming, or today you and I looking back at the sacrifice of Christ offering himself up on the cross for you and I, salvation has always been that root. From the very beginning, Christ slain from the foundation of the world. And when we read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are the first fruit that Paul mentioned here in this 16th verse. And he said they are holy. The first fruit is holy. Now, when you read the lives of these men, Abraham... Abraham and Sarah went down into Egypt, and Abraham lied to them about Sarah uh, being his wife, says she's my sister. But yet God said he's holy. Isaac, the prophecy was given before his two sons were born that the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob was to receive the birthright, but Isaac, loving Esau because he was a hunter and a man of the field, Isaac went to give Esau the birthright blessing, or was determined to do it, and God was turned it around, and, and Jacob got it. But at any rate, then you see Jacob, and all the things that Jacob did, deceived his father, and put on those skins, and lied, and told him that he was Esau, and stole the birthright blessing. But when you look at the lives of these men, they were sinners, but yet the Bible says they were holy. They were not holy because of anything that they did or something that they didn't do. They were holy because their faith was in the sacrifice. And the same can be said of you and I today. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to make ourselves holy. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But as we place our faith in Christ and what he did for us at the cross, Jesus takes our sins and he gives us his righteousness. As it was said of Abraham, it can also be said of us. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. If we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be counted unto us for righteousness as well. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they brought forth the lump, the nation of Israel. And God's purpose for Israel was to be the light of the world. Israel was to give to this world the word of God and to serve as the womb for the Redeemer of mankind. And we see the branches here in verse 16, Romans chapter 11. That refers to the individuals, the, the Jews. He said there in verse 17, And if some of the branches be broken off, the Jews who rejected Jesus Christ made no difference that they were born Jewish. 
They could trace their lineage back all the way to Abraham. That made no difference. Once they rejected Jesus Christ, they were broken off, the Bible says. And thou, that's talking about the Gentiles, had absolutely nothing to do with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We were born outside the covenant. But yet when we place our faith in Christ and His finished work, then we have been accepted. We're considered to be the wild olive tree. If you'll look there in verse 17, we were grafted in among them. That means that this tree is now made up of both Jews and Gentiles, races of, of all kinds of people. And God sees us all the same. In the eyes of God, He only sees two races. Those who were saved and those who are unsaved. And the latter part of verse 17 says, And with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. By faith, we partake of salvation, the root. Which means that the same blessings that God promised Israel is now made available to you and I. Glory to God that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Verse 18, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, the church is not replacing Israel. We've only been included in the plan of God. So we have nothing to brag about when you get down to it, because it's the same root that brought forth Israel, that is now carrying us. Verse 19, Thou will say then, The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. These branches were broken off because of unbelief, as it pertains to Christ. And those branches weren't broken off to make room for us. That's not the case. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. We're not to be high-minded, thinking that we've done something to be a part of this tree. Only our faith in Christ and what He did for us gives us our standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to fear. Verse 21 says, For if God spared not the natural branches, Israel... Take heed, lest he also spare not thee. The Holy Spirit through Paul is warning the church. If the church goes the same way as Israel did, which they rejected Christ and set out to establish their own righteousness, Romans chapter 10 verse 3, then the church will be cut off exactly as Israel was cut off. If you will, go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. It is important that we abide in Christ. And Jesus speaking of this, John chapter 15, let's begin with verse 1. He said, I am the vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. We need to look at that 
very carefully. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. It is important that we bear fruit. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. Notice that. Abide in me. That phrase presents that of a willful decision being made. A decision that has to be made on a daily basis. As it says in Luke 9, 24, Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross daily, and follow me. So it's a daily decision. Abide in me, and I in you. There's going to be times in your Christian experience that you feel like the heavens is brass, and that God is a million miles away. There are going to be times in your Christian experience that you feel like you're hanging on the edge of a rotten stick, hanging over the edge of, of, of the flames of hell. But remember this, if your faith is in Christ, then Christ is in you. He's as close as the mention of his name. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Just as a branch within itself cannot bring forth fruit, neither can we. Only as we continue to abide in him, by keeping our faith anchored in his finished work, can there be much fruit even as it says there in verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me. Now, this means that anyone can make a willful decision at any time to no longer believe in Christ. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. The implication is this. If faith is not maintained in Christ and what he did for us at the cross, then hell will be the end result. Now, this flies in the face of unconditional eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Now, I believe that once a person is saved, they're always saved as long as they want to be saved. As long as they keep their faith anchored in the finished work of Christ, and they want to be saved, they can be saved. Nobody, they ain't a demon, a devil in hell, that can take away your salvation. Understand that. Jesus said in John 10 verse 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So as long as you want to be saved, you're saved. 
But understand this. Anytime you want to jump out of his hand, he'll let you. You of your own free will of choice, you can change your mind, stop believing, and jump out of his hand anytime you so desire. Paul said in verse 22, Romans chapter 11, verse 22, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. Don't just look at this thing from one side. we got to look at it from, from all the angles. God is gracious and merciful, but God is also a God of judgment. On them which fail, severity. All those who reject Christ will severely be judged to death and hell. But toward thee, those of us who've accepted Christ, we will receive the goodness of God. We'll experience God's goodness, eternal life with the Lord in heaven one day. But he said, if you'll look there at the latter part of verse 22, If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. Here we have the condition. If we continue in his goodness. So the implication is that somebody can decide, hey, I don't want no, no part of this. I don't, want, I don't want this anymore. And they can make a willful decision to not be saved anymore. And we've no, we know people who have just thrown up their hands and quit. So how do we continue? We just keep our faith and trust in Christ and his finished work. If we don't, then the Bible says very plainly here, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. Verse 22, and they also, speaking of Israel, if they abide not still in unbelief, in other words, if they turn to Christ, they shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ can turn around. We know the unsaved out here, when the gospel's presented to them, it may take a while, but the Holy Spirit can work on them, and they can come around and they accept Christ as their Savior. So anybody can turn around and be saved. This is what's going to happen to Israel in the not-too-distant future. But it's going to take seven years of great tribulation, the Bible says, to do it. Look at verse 24. For if thou, speaking of the church, were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Normally, in horticulture, you wouldn't graft in something that is inferior. You would graft in something that is superior to what is there in order to strengthen it to make it better. But in this case, that which is inferior, the church, 
the wild olive tree, the Bible says, has been grafted into the superior, the good olive tree. And this is not done in the natural, but God did it, spiritually speaking. And it shows the grace and the mercy of God. And if God has done this thing, which is contrary to nature... How much more will he graft in that which is natural, graft in the Jews who turn to him by faith in Christ? Now, down through the many centuries, there are Jews who have turned to Christ and accepted Christ. And they are just as saved as you and I are. But there is coming a day when Israel will ultimately be saved. The whole, the whole thing is going to turn to Christ at the second coming. Look at verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, the mystery as to what has happened to Israel, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. In other words, thinking that we've done something to merit uh, this privilege of having a part in the great plan of God. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. As I have stated before, when the light of the gospel is given, and as it was given to Israel, and we see how it was rejected, then light is withdrawn. When light is given and it's rejected, light will be withdrawn that left Israel in a state of blindness. And this blind condition that Israel finds themselves in is going to continue till the end of the church age, which is right around the corner. God's about to wrap this thing up. Verse 26 and so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, Isaiah chapter 27, verse 9. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This points to the time when Jesus will come back at the battle of Armageddon to deliver Israel from the hand of the Antichrist. All of Israel will be saved the Bible says, at that time. That means that every Jew living, when Jesus comes back at the second coming, every Jew living at that time is going to accept him as their Savior, and they're going to be grafted back in to the plan of God. For this is my covenant, verse 27, this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And Folks, this is what the Bible is all about. Taking away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming that day, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Every lamb that was ever offered up from the time of Adam and Eve right on up till this point that John saw Jesus coming, every one of those lambs represented Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But here's the difference, that taketh away the sin of the world. All those lambs in the Old Testament, 
The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. It could only cover it until Jesus came. But when Jesus died on Calvary, he took away the sin. He took away, he dealt with the sin nature that lives in all of us. Verse 28, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. Israel's negative attitude toward the gospel has made them an enemy against God. So God has now turned to the Gentiles. But as touching the election, verse 28 says, about midway, they are beloved for their father's sake. In other words, Israel has turned their back on God, but God has not turned his back on them. The promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will come to pass. Because he said there in verse 29, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, what God called Israel to do in the very beginning, it has not been forfeited because of their present condition. They will ultimately carry out their calling, but it will be done during the millennial reign of Christ. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.